All right, water baptism is one of the most meaningful experiences for the Christian believer. And it's important to understand why we should do it and why we should follow the Lord in water baptism. So how many can remember your water baptism? Okay, yeah, quite a few of you. All right. Okay, so I want us to, uh, I'm gonna, Chris is going to put up some of these points here, and we're going to talk about them. So first of all, water baptism is a statement of our commitment and identification with Christ. It is a statement of our commitment and identifying with Christ. I made a decision to follow Christ, and therefore I'm going to follow him in water baptism. So I want us to look at Acts 8, 26 through 39. This is a great story about water baptism. Hey, thank you. All right, thanks. All right. And so Philip, I'll let you get there, but Philip um, was not an apostle, okay? And he wasn't a disciple. Now, he was part of the group, probably the larger group of disciples, but he is actually, we see in the book of Acts, there is a problem that happens. It's the first division that happens in the church. And we see it in Scripture. Scripture doesn't ignore it. it. It puts it in there. And so it has to do with widows. Some widows were being neglected. And so they, there's the Grecian widows. And so they pick some people that are, have some of that heritage to serve these ladies. All right? Stephen was one of those. Okay, remember? And then um, Philip it would be another one of those. So there's seven of them that they chose. Persecution then breaks out. We see that in Acts chapter 8. The church scatters, okay? They leave Jerusalem. Philip finds himself in Samaria. So if you look at the map of Israel, you get Sea of Galilee in the north, the Jordan River, Dead Sea. Um, Jerusalem was just kind of north of the Dead Sea. So up by the Sea of Galilee is where Jesus would grow up. But in between the Dead Sea and Sea of Galilee is this area called Samaria. You remember when Jesus... um, um, John chapter 3, the woman at the well. I think it's John chapter 3, the woman at the well. 4, I think it's 4. Woman at the well, they go through Samaria, and that's where she is at, right? So Philip finds himself in Samaria, and he doesn't know any better that he's not an apostle or anything like that. He begins to preach, and as he's preaching, people get saved, and people get delivered from evil spirits. People are healed. And so he sometimes called Philip the evangelist, okay? And so... Um, this is all happening, and they invite Peter, James, and John to come down. They pray for the believers. They receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we get to verse 26. All of a sudden, God has another mission for Philip. So this is what it says in verse 26. As for Philip, the angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Gaza is in that south part of Israel, kind of wilderness. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia. Where's Ethiopia? Help me out, Christy. Yeah, North Africa, right? All right. And so he is the treasurer, and he was a eunuch with great authority under Candace, or some translations say Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. So he's a high-ranking official, and he's a eunuch. Probably um, you can have eunuchs that are that way from birth, but a lot of times when they served in the royal palace, they made them eunuchs, Okay. And so they didn't want uh, these men interacting with the harem and all that type of thing. And so they made them a unit. Um, and so he is there on business in Jerusalem. While he is there, he is reading part of the Bible. And he is now 
he was returning and he was seated in his carriage reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Isn't that cool? And so Philip, whether walking or running alongside this chariot, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. And Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, no. How can I understand unless somebody instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture that he'd been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, a lamb as a lamb that was silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth and he was humiliated and received no justice. And who can we speak of among his descendants? For his life was taken away from the earth. All right. And Philip, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me what the prophet was talking about. Was it himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water, all right? So I, I don't know, it was maybe a pond, a river, we don't know. It says they came to some water, and he says, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And so he ordered the carriage to be stopped. They went down into the river, and Philip baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. It's kind of, I don't know, I don't know if it was like, you know, I don't know. It just says it snatched him away. And the eunuch never saw him again. And he went away on his way rejoicing. So we see an example here. The eunuch is hungry to know more about God, right? He is a, he's a Gentile. He's not a Jewish believer. And um, he's, he's reading the book of Isaiah. And there's a hunger in his life. And God brings supernaturally Philip onto the scene and explains the scripture to him. And we've referred to this passage a lot Isaiah 52 and 53 when we're doing communion. And so that is the passage that he's reading and, and Philip explains to him and he says, you know what, I want to make that commitment to Christ. Look, there's water. What is keeping me from being baptized? And so they pull the chariot over and he is baptized in water. Isn't that cool? Um, you know, and one of the interesting things and whenever I share about this is that we know that Northern Africa would be a strong... Um, a strong concentration of Christianity in the early years. But we really don't know how Christianity got there. And it's maybe very possible that this eunuch was the one that would carry the gospel there and the church would grow. All right? Church would be started. First Peter 3.21 says, And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from your body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. So, Water baptism is a commitment to identifying what Christ has done in my life, and I've made a decision to follow Christ. So I've often equated it to a wedding ring, okay? All right, if you've got your wedding ring, hold it up, all right? All right, a wedding ring, and it's a sign of a commitment, right? So I've done many weddings, and you always have the, the exchange of the rings, all right, and you place the ring on the finger, and it is a symbol of that commitment that you are making to your spouse, right? To love and to cherish, honor and keep. In the same way, baptism is a symbol of our commitment to follow Christ. Amen? Okay. Secondly, it is a statement of our born-again experience. Now, um, I, you, I don't know, I think you go back 10, 20 years, you, you'd hear that terminology, born again, a lot more, Right? I don't hear it as much again as, as I used to. But we really get that terminology from the book of John, John chapter 3, where Jesus is having a discussion with Nicodemus. So Nicodemus was a religious leader. Um, we know that 
the religious leaders, many of them were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. But Nicodemus was different, okay? He was hungry, and so he goes to Jesus in the middle of the night, and he says, I have questions. And so Jesus begins walking him through some of the questions that he has. In verses 5 through 8 of John chapter 3, so I'm jumping around here, so you're going to have to be quick on your phone or your Bible. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God, into God's kingdom, unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with people born of the Spirit. And, and so they have this discussion, and Nicodemus is kind of thinking, you know, how can I go back into my mom's womb and be born again? And Jesus says, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He's talking about, you know what, we are dead and we must have a spiritual rebirth that takes place within our life, right? Being born again. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All right, so you should have that highlighted or underlined in your Bible. That's a good one just to share. And it, therefore, it, it, it really talks about the metamorphosis that happens in our life, Okay. The same Greek words that are used for that is similar to what the transformation that a, a butterfly goes through, right? A caterpillar, butterfly, you have, you know, this caterpillar that kind of crawls along and they go into their cocoon and they come out a butterfly, right? It's a metamorphosis that takes place, a transformation, and that's what God does in our life. The minute we accept Him as our Lord and our Savior, and you say, no way. It is, right? It is. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't some sanctification and some maturity that has to take place. But positionally before God, when we invite Christ into our life and He removes our sin, we stand before Him as a saint, not a sinner anymore. Because He doesn't see our actions. He doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see all that. He sees the blood of Christ that's been applied to our life. And we've been forgiven. All right? And so we are redeemed and we are holy. He extends to us His righteousness so that we can be holy before God. All right? So that's why if we think that we can get to heaven because of our good works, right, and all the good things that we do, it's just not enough. Okay? It's not bad. Those things aren't bad. But if we think those things are going to get us into heaven, they're just quite not enough. And that's what a lot of people are banking on. They're thinking, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm a good person, and especially I'm better than the person down the road for me. Right? Right? But that's not enough. Because we, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. All right. So, when we go into the water, it symbolizes our death to our sinful nature and our old way of life. But when we're brought up out of the water, it symbolizes a resurrection and creating a new life within us. We're born again. All right. I was looking for a young person here. And so, come here, Archer. You mind helping me out today? All right, all right. I don't know if we'll get this on camera or not. All right, so I want you to sit here facing that way, just like that, yep. So uh, when we baptize people, put your hand, yep, just like that. No, over your nose, because you don't want to get water up your nose. Okay, all right, all right. But when we baptize a person, we go, I'm not going to let you. So then he goes under the water, right? So it symbolizes a watery grave, right? Okay, you're dead, Archer, okay? Okay, 
All right. You can breathe, though. All right. But then when we bring him up, it symbolizes resurrection, right? Right? All right. Give him a hand. That's why there is symbolism in water baptism, all right? That there is that death and rebirth, okay? And so Romans 6.4, which I've kind of put as the theme verse here for today, says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. Amen? We are raised to life. Colossians 2.12 says, I have been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. So um, Paul is very, uh, teaches a lot about this and what baptism means. Water baptism is a statement that my life has been changed and I am a new creation. And I, can we just be honest? There's going to be days that you wonder, am I saved? All right? Okay? Yeah. That's where you have to go back even sometimes to what God has done in your life and what Scripture has to say. Amen? Because Satan is going to put doubts in your head and say, you know what, you're, you're not saved. You did this, you did that, you did, you know. He'll remind us of those, and we will remind ourselves of those. But we have to go back to God's Word and say, you know what, I made a decision to follow Christ. I'm going to do the best that I can to follow Him. All right, number three. Water baptism signifies our entrance into the kingdom of God. So water baptism biblically does not represent membership or belonging to a specific church. So uh, that's sometimes a question I get a lot is, you know what, hey, I, I want to attend Radiant Spring Church and be, and be part of your body here. You know, and maybe they were baptized. They're, they're, they're a believer in Christ and they were baptized in a, another church, maybe because it was where they grew up or whatever. Uh, so they were baptized. And I say, you know what? Yeah, that's good. That's good. You don't have to be rebaptized to be part of our church. Now, when it comes to infant baptism, I do encourage people to still be what I would call more of an adult baptism or a conversion baptism. All right. And because infant baptism is something that your parents do for you, much like we do baby dedication. Right. OK, so they are doing it in faith. They are doing it in obedience. All right. To the teachings of the church. Um, I still think there is that importance of following the Lord and the water baptism once you've made that decision to follow Christ, all right? And, you know, people that go to Israel, right, they've probably already been baptized before, but everybody's going to be baptized in the, in the Jordan River, right, where Jesus was baptized. So um, I, I think it's important that it's, it's your, your statement of that. Now, within a Lutheran or Catholic church, you're going to have that confirmation, which is to confirm what your parents have done right? Um, I still think it is good to be immersed in the water to have that uh, experience, all right? John 3, 5, we already read this. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So the Spirit is the inward witness that we belong to God. Water baptism is that outward witness that we are now part of God's kingdom and part of his family. So not just part of Radiant Springs Church or another church, but we are part of God's family. You follow me on that? All right. Okay. All right. So when we recognize people as members of a club or organization, we honor, we recognize it right, that person's acceptance. Water baptism in some ways is that symbolizes that I am part of God's family. Amen? You made that decision to follow Christ. In our, in our culture and currently, 
You know, for you to be baptized in water um, is a decision that you have to make. Usually it doesn't come with obstacles or it doesn't come with disgrace. But I can guarantee you in Islamic countries that if you are baptized in water, you may be doing it at the risk of your own life, okay? And so they, when they make that decision to follow Lord in water baptism, it is a serious decision that they don't take lightly, all right? And I think we sometimes miss that in our, in our culture. Now, um, the early church did water baptisms on what special day out of the year? Anybody know? Easter. Easter. They, right at sunrise would be when they would do a lot of their baptisms. So um, <laughs> There's some traditions there that we probably don't want to follow there. So they didn't have much on when they got baptized. But when they got out of the water, they got their white garments. All right? All right. They, did, they took that symbolism all the way. All right? <laughs> all right. Amen. Number four. You're gonna, you're gonna, that's what you're going to remember from this message, aren't you? <laughs> that's what you're going to remember. All right. All right, number four. Water baptism was commanded and practiced throughout Scripture. And so Jesus was the first to establish water baptism. So I want to read this from Matthew 3, uh, 13 through 17 from the New Living Translation. It says, when, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you, he says, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus says, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So, God, so John agreed to baptize him, and after his baptism, he came up out of the water, the heavens opened, they saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, settling on him in the voice of the Lord from heaven, saying, this is my son, uh, who I love, who, who brings me great joy. All right, and then we know that Jesus would go into the wilderness. So in that, right there, we see, we see his water baptism, but we also see the Spirit of God coming upon him, his spirit baptism, right? So, um, so did Jesus need to be baptized? That's what I want to get at. Did Jesus need to be baptized? Probably not, right? He was the Son of God. He walked amongst us. So why was Jesus baptized? Why was it important to fulfill Scripture? Give us an example to follow, right? Yeah. And even with the Spirit of God coming upon his life, I think we often assume, yeah, Jesus was the Son of God so he could heal the sick, he could raise the dead. But did he do any miracles before this? No. It's only after the Spirit of God comes upon his life that we see the miracles now transpire. And I think that's important because the same spirit and power that enabled him to do miracles is the same power, power that empowers us. Amen? Right? Yeah. And so we have to rely upon that. And he gave us that example to follow. All right? So Matthew 28, I'm going to give you some verses here. 28:19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's why we baptize. We'll see a couple cases where Paul baptizes in the name of Jesus. And that actually would become kind of a huge thing, even within the Assemblies of God in our early beginnings in the early 1900s. There'd be kind of a split over that. Are we going to baptize in the name of Jesus or in Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Um, so if you know some oneness Pentecostals or United Pentecostals, that is part of the offshoot of that. So a lot of it comes from 
just the interpretation of that. So we go with what we'd call the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38, Peter said to the disciples and the believers on the day of Pentecost, so Acts chapter 2, God pours out His Holy Spirit, 3,000 people get saved, and um, they accept Christ as their Lord and their Savior, and they says they are baptized in water. 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, th- so that your sins may be forgiven, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right? And so um, even from that early stage, Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the church, it is encouraged that it's the step after you've made that commitment to Christ to follow him in water baptism. So Acts 10, verse 48, Peter goes to Cornelius' house. He's a Roman centurion, and we know that the Romans are the ones that crucified Christ, right? And so they came knocking on his door and said, hey, we want you to go to Cornelius' house. And Peter probably would have hid or he would have not gone except for God had prepared him with a dream, a vision, right? And it was this vision of unclean animals and the Spirit says, get up and eat. And Peter says, no, I'm a good Jew. And the third time, God says, don't declare unclean what I've called clean. And so he goes to Cornelius' house. He shares Jesus Christ with them. He doesn't even get to the altar call. And the Spirit of God comes upon these people. They begin to speak in tongues. And, um, and, and so um, they are saved. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later they are baptized. So he says he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then Peter asked them to stay for a while. They asked Peter to stay for a few days to teach them. So here you have a group, Cornelius, his family, and all those that believed that day um, were baptized. Pretty cool. Acts 22, we have another situation. And Peter, uh, Paul is talking to uh, some believers. says, what is keeping you? What are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. So water baptism was commanded and practiced by Jesus and the early apostles. And God sees it as an important part of our salvation experience. All right. Now, in some traditions, they would say, you know what? If you're not baptized, you're not saved. And there's just a fine line there. Um, We believe we are saved by faith through grace. We're covering all these verses in my Wednesday night class, right? Um, that's Ephesians. Sarah, I think you read that this morning, right? 2, 8, 9. We are, we are saved by grace through faith, right? So if we really believe that, then baptism isn't part of our salvation. But at the same time, it is a matter of obedience. So if you're not willing to follow the Lord in water baptism, are you going to be willing to follow Him in other things? You following me? Um, and it is a symbol. It was practiced by the early church. And, um, and, and so, ideally, I would like to have a baptismal here in our church. So, if anybody has like a $10,000 gift and you want to do that, it, I'm serious, okay? It would be a cool thing to have. I love it being out of Walnut Creek. There, there's something special about it. But according to Scripture, the best time for a person to be baptized in water is when they've made that decision, right? And like Philip, you know, Philip and the eunuch, hey, what's keeping me from being baptized and we're baptized in water? So so that would be cool. Water baptism is a statement of my commitment to Christ and that I'm identifying with him. It is a statement that I've been born again, okay? 
It, it's not just a decision I make. There's a spiritual rebirth that takes place in my life. It signifies my entrance into the family of God and it's commanded and practiced throughout Scripture. Uh, I'm going to have the musicians come. I was thinking about just some... We've had a lot of great baptismal services here. Um, um, you know, if, if we lived in Phoenix or something like that, we could do baptisms year-round, I guess. So I don't think we can import that weather here. But I was just thinking back just over some of the stories uh, of baptisms. There's a lot of them that stand out. But I remember one lady, Donna Brown, <laughs> And I believe she's still living, but her and her husband, Charles, they were just a great support to us in our first ministry assignment. Um, yeah, just some great people. They just came alongside of us. They were retired, kind of retired a little bit early in life. He had worked for Boeing Airlines. Um, but good people. Um, and so they'd walked with the Lord a long time. I think they'd been touched by the charismatic movement at some point in their life. And um, there we had a, a little reservoir in Harvey, North Dakota, uh, made by, I think, the Cheyenne River, Cheyenne River, and this reservoir. And so we'd go down on the beach, and that's where we would uh, do the baptisms. And, and Donna was in her 60s. She was probably 65. And she said, you know, uh, I've never been baptized in water, so I preached maybe a similar message to this. And, and God just kind of spoke to her. And what kept her from being baptized in water is that she couldn't get water in her ears, okay? And... And that, was, that kept her from following the Lord in water baptism. And so we got creative and we just put some earplugs in her ears, right? Put some of uh, those earplugs in and, and she was baptized. And it was, oh, she was so excited when she came up out of the water. It was a very powerful moment for her.